it's like a big book and the dicks, 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 dicks. Patreon deep dive series. I'm Dylan, and joining me for this uh, dive into the depths of strange music is returning guest Jeremy Hunt. He's in uh, the band Koheleth, and he's done a bunch of other collaborations. So welcome back to the, I guess welcome back to the like set the the main wing of the Patreon. You were already on the secondary wing in the debut episode <laughs> of that, where we talked about Freaked. So far, the only good movie I've watched for that part of the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm glad, glad to hear that I could be a part of it. And thanks for having me back, man. This is awesome. Looking forward to it. Yeah. So if you want to just like tell people about like kind of like what, you know, what you do um, and in terms of like Koheleth and what, sure. what that is all about. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm one of the three members of uh, the band Koheleth. We're a noise rock experimental group, probably the best way to, to put it. Um, so it's myself, my buddy, uh, Mike Strickler is the other multi-instrumentalist with me in the band. And then uh, my cousin Caden Withy does uh, most of our visual art. So cover art for the different releases we've done. Um, ancillary art that goes with all that. So yeah, it's the three of us and we're just, gosh, I don't know. I, we've put out maybe, I think four albums and maybe four EPs and a split, but we're just constantly, constantly just trying to kind of push our own limitations and our own boundaries and just really experiment with sort of the, um, the interesting sounds that come from heavier music mixed with noise, essentially. One of the things you did, we talked about it on uh, the regular Diary of Doom show, was you did the soundtrack to a short film, mm -hmm. which was pretty cool. I can't remember the title right now, so I'm sure you remember it. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, Black and White Electric Light. It was a yeah, a buddy of ours, Mike Fink, uh, directed it and asked us if we'd score it for him, and we just had a blast doing that. And you know, in addition to you know music, um, movies are a big thing that you're a fan of, and they mm -hmm. kind of play a, a role in how you uh, create your music too. Cause you've, uh, you've described the, uh, in the episode where you talked about freaked. And I think maybe even in this episode that the previous episode that you were in, mm -hmm. uh, you said that Koheleth was as close to a music version of that movie, <laughs> um, which is, you know, funny given that, you know, that movie did have a pretty fucking amazing soundtrack and we'll get to eventually why that is. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that's a pretty cool and different way of looking at music and that it's very non-traditional and it frees you from a lot, a lot of um, creative boundaries mm -hmm. and you kind of do whatever you want. And you're not real, you're not necessarily looking to create any kind of classical or traditional song with structure. It really is an experimentation in noise. Uh, right. which has gotten very popular over the years <laughs> yeah no it's been uh yeah I, i'd say you know just each time we sit down to try to write something or each each time we we you know mess with ideas we really um it's kind of hard to explain but i, I think we're, we're just really driven by what strikes us in the moment and then we drill down into that in the hopes that um it leads us to more compelling places that then allow for um layering allow for uh weird elements of complexity but then also just very uh visceral i think i think that's probably the best way that i can put it we were really aiming for something that feels kind of of the moment and visceral but also you know sticks with you in, in weird ways if there was a like another way to describe it i don't know why it, it makes me think of a movie like videodrome which like <laughs> I just like I know you're like a big Cronenberg fan. And, yeah. 
you know, like slight side tangent, but I just watched The Brood for the first time. Mm. The movie is really good too. Yeah. Like brutal. Um, Yeah. 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 But that guy, I feel he really hits that sweet spot for a lot of his work because Mm -hmm. he's really good at doing that perfect balance of like a really good narrative that is mixed with just fucking batshit insane, like (laughs) dreamlike visuals that, you know, that you that are inconceivable in reality, but right. look amazing when he does it. Like, yeah, I, I love I love the Berg and I'm very excited for his new movie. I don't yeah. even I mean, I I do want it to be good, but just I'm like, I don't care if this is like not the, his best film. It at least looks like he's going to be like, yeah, fuck it. Let me just go back to what I was good at doing. Yeah. Goo and bodies. And yeah, it looks weird. I mean, I, I don't even know. I've seen the one trailer, and I, I don't even know if you can pick up much of a story. Based Which is on what it. was great about it. I, I don't really want to know too much more about yeah. it. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. just it was like the, it felt like a very old school horror movie trailer. Yeah, where they didn't tell you everything. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, and yes, I'm I'm a huge fan of Cronenberg, so um, yeah, any comparisons to him are ridiculous and probably un, unwarranted, but I'll, I'll we'll take them. <laughs> <laughs> And he always has great music, and that's my very lazy uh, segue to talking about uh, the band for this episode. Mm. Uh, so, kind of going off, uh, you know, the the normal route. This is not specifically a band that falls within uh, the like the genre of doom or stoner, really, at all. But I could totally see why fans of this genre would like this band, and I think there's actually some elements that they would of those that kind of sound that they would incorporate later on in their career but hey they did play road so like as far as i'm concerned i think it's fair game i wanted to talk about the band blind idiot god which i personally just having like listened to them a bit cursory after i watched the movie freaked and then going through the discography today Mm-hmm. It's just like, damn, what a fucking band. <laughs> yeah. 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 What a band that I feel like there probably were so many bands that did this same thing afterwards or something similar and mm-hmm. didn't do it as good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, they are really, um, once, once they hit their stride, which, you know, for me feels like it kind of comes midway through even their debut album, but certainly by the time their second is out, I mean, it just feels like you're dealing with a force of nature, and and to realize, you know, it's it's just it's a trio, is yeah, you know, also just deeply impressive. So yeah, I agree. Speaks to the power of the uh, power trio. Uh, mm-hmm. Not to be redundant, it's real. I'm always continually impressed by just three piece bands and like what some of them can do with like the sheer amount of. I mean, this band must have been... I haven't seen them. They have played around uh, in my neck of the woods a little bit, but I have yet to see them, and I hope I do get to see them one day. But this band must have been fucking loud back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, they had to. I mean... Yeah, that's all I can say. Yeah, they had to have been. I mean, just (laughs) just listening to them and what they pulled off, what they managed to pull off in studio translated to these recordings. I mean... Their live stuff must have just been bonkers. I'll have to go watch some on YouTube. There's quite a bit uh, on there. Um, But, you know, for anybody that's not really familiar with what this band sounds like, I'm just pulling this from uh, their Wikipedia page, which is where I got most of these facts and seems pretty (laughs) up-to-date and accurate. They're not really what I would consider... you know, at, especially at the time, a typical heavy metal band. And I think that even they themselves are like, eh, that's not really like our thing. And their their music is definitely like metal fusion, which they started out as a punk rock band. Their signature sound is like this strange blending of heavy metal, dub and jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of like that early prog metal before it kind of whatever i guess you could say because it was sort of like that was like blood genre but they never really like got lumped in with any of those bands at the time yeah. or later on um and even classical is a part of their um inspiration as well so like Leggetti and stravinsky and shit like that 
the the main guy andy hawkins uh had a pretty funny quote where he says when i listen to a lot of metal and hard rock i think great intensity boring chords <laughs> which i thought was pretty funny <laughs> that is good their early stuff reminds me of and i have no idea if they were at all influenced by this but they reminded me a little bit of like what i've heard from like a joe satriani maybe just in terms of like the just the proficiency and the technicality of what they're doing but they they rope in way more genre influences in my opinion yeah i could see that like because that was sort of like the closest thing to you know like a big instrumental only guy like him or <laughs> who's the other guy oh man i'm blanking his name he's like incredibly goofy um, not Ingve Moms. No. Well, there's well, yes, there's Ingve, but I mean, he's like his own his own animal of goofiness. Um, yeah. Man, what is that guy's name? Devin Townsend. No. He uh, Devin Townsend sang for him. Oh, um, I'm blanking. I'm I'm totally blanking. Uh, I got to figure this out. Steve Vai. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, those those dudes were probably, like, the biggest thing in terms of, like, instrumental. But they were playing, like, super clear, like, yeah. pinpoint accuracy, uh, yeah. you know. And if they goofed up, it was, like, very noticeable. I think this band, they definitely have a bit more of a looser mm -hmm. uh, approach. And probably because they play these fucking insanely heavy chords, there's a lot you can kind of mask up without sure. and like you can kind of just be like it was improvisation you know it's just part right. of the 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 performance or, or what have you right right um so how did you find out about them personally i had kind of just known of them like kind of by the name i think and sure. then it was after we talked about uh freak that i really like went and listened I was like wow i wish i'd been listening to this a while ago yeah i don't i don't think i had any any familiarity with them before freaks so i think it, i think for me it was you know 100 percent freak that opened the door and that title track with you know henry rollins singing was just i mean it fit the vibe of the credits and the overall feel of the movie so well and i just remember thinking at one point like ah, i should probably check these guys out and i think it was at that point that i realized like oh no, you know holy crap these guys are you know, it's it's an instrumental band, and you know this is like the only track that they have a vocalist <laughs> on, which is just nuts. Because I, I feel like, and I'm assuming that they wrote the track with a vocalist in mind. I don't know, maybe maybe they didn't, but Rollins' vocals uh, meld so well with the, their instruments on that particular track, where you know to to realize that they don't really have a vocalist on anything else is, is just wild anyway so yeah for me that was the the intro to them and i i think i started probably with undertow their second album and then um before ever after their i guess that's their most recent album i think yeah. those are the two that i own on cd so i you know i hunted those down on cd and bought them and, and those are the ones that you know i spent the most time with yeah, I mean, just personally, I think Undertow, just because, uh, and, you know, we'll get to it. That's probably the one that I have. But um, they have four albums out, and uh, mm -hmm. we're just going to dive into them now. So, <clears throat> but before that, a little background. They formed in 1982 in St. Louis, Missouri, and the original lineup consisted of Andy Hawkins on guitar, Gabriel Katz on bass, and Ted Epstein on drums. The current lineup of the band is uh, Andy Hawkins, who I also found out owns a bar within walking distance of my apartment called the Skylark Tavern. What? So I might be finding myself over there one day in the future. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to go be a punisher and uh, <laughs> bug the shit out of him. <laughs> also features Tim Wiskita on drums and Will Dahl on bass. And their name stems from H.P. Lovecraft. It's uh, the name of the of Azathoth, the ruler of the Outer Gods. Not the Elder Gods, but the Outer Gods. Gotta get it right. And it's some kind of like representation of chaos, Lovecraft universe. Which, like, you know, fitting thematically for them. The music, I think, is very, like, much controlled chaos. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, it is weirdly at times, like, 
punishing but in like a very fun kind of way i don't know if that makes any sense i have to give them some credit for not leaning too hard into that lovecraft aesthetic because it's very Mm -hmm. easy to just make tentacle monsters and squids and blobs and things with a thousand eyes it's very easy to make that your image and it's used a lot i like that they went with the more punk rock like sort of abstract approach to uh doing their uh you know their profile so to speak yeah yeah 100 um they're now based out of new york city uh and like we said uh, or as i said earlier they started out with punk and hardcore roots before they started adopting jazz and dub into their sound notably their first show was shut down by the police due to a noise complaint uh <laughs> which i thought was kind of funny eventually uh they would go on to collaborate with a few people, notably John Zorn, after he saw them at CBGB's. So I uh, I listened to three, I don't know, like three and a half of the albums because uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah. um, so the first one's a self-titled. It was released on SST Records and kind of in a similar vein to a band like Cave In, the members of the band were 19, 20 and 21 at the time. So like incredibly young to be yeah. doing this shit. Maybe not, not quite... Uh, uh red cross young but <laughs> very young like to be putting out a really in, in, i think impressive bit of music as a debut yeah yeah no it's it's wild that was one of the things i was trying to make sure that i was thinking through and sort of situating the context of just like okay this originally came out in 1987 what was i listening to at that time versus what they were creating i mean it's 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 wild like just already the musicianship the talent that's on display on this first album is is just off the charts i do think it is inherently more metal and it's a little bit more approachable in that sense and i remember you like messaged me and were like i wasn't really sure about this because it's like <laughs> it was like kind of if they weren't they hadn't really established their sound and like it's like probably a bit out of your wheelhouse at that point where it's like more like this. We're just, we're being like technical, but we're also being like very fucking metal right now. Right. Well, and part of for, for me, so I've, I listened to it a couple of different ways. So I initially listened to it just in my car, um, which, you know, it's a basic stereo, no fancy system mm-hmm. whatsoever. So literally just listening, you know, back and forth to work. And then I put, you know, headphones on to, to re-listen. And I, I think, you know, I used to do like music reviews and cover stuff for a couple of different websites. And I always tried to gear myself towards what, what are the good things I can say? So I'm, I, I, as a reviewer in the past, if, if there's nothing that I have to say that's really helpful, I'm like, eh, maybe I just won't review it because there are plenty of people out there taking cheap shots. So for me, the, I would say my, my thoughts on this album start on the more negative side, but it only goes up from there. So basically mm-hmm. like the first few tracks, let's see, basically from like Stravinsky slash blasting off the in, the opening track to subterranean flight. Again, just for me, they felt like they were all potentially like one piece of music. Like essentially I was like this, the, these first like, four or five tracks feel like they were all recorded at the same time. And the rest of the album feels like almost a different beast entirely, if that makes any sense. And, and it's the second half of the the album that to me is the, is the part that really shines. And it's not that the early, that the, the first tracks are bad by any means. Like, again, they're technically impressive, but I think, honestly, I think it's like the guitar tones in the first few tracks that to me blend all together and feel like more of a wash versus I think more time is sort of like the mid track. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it just felt to me like it, um, like it turned a corner and whether it was the writing or the mixing on those moving forward, just felt it helped things feel a little bit more distinctive, but that's just my take on how the album sort of flows from start to finish. But. Well, I think in that sense, it is a, it makes it a little bit more approachable to mm. like uh people make like you know music listeners sort of like outside there so like you know hey like it's you know we're punk but like it's kind of more technical so maybe like metal people but then 
you had uh, you'd said like it came out in 1987, and like for this to come out in 1987, it probably seemed very different regardless because for the context of the time 90s favorite technical metal band dream theater would not even release their debut for two more years and they wouldn't even yeah. have a success or, or they wouldn't even have uh, a hit with an album until their second album images and words came out in 92 so that's like pretty amazing to me that this album comes out and it's like this insane proficiency. And it's not to say that it didn't catch eyes because it certainly fucking did, but it didn't put them on like a, you know, oh, we're touring like, you know, stadiums around the world kind of thing or whatever. Right, right. They were still kind of showcasing like some of their influences. And one thing I will say about the first, like the first half of the album is that it's, even though it is metal, there is this like noise factor that mm -hmm. just I feel like starts to permeate into future bands. Like I feel like the dudes that were in Dillinger Escape Plan like this band. They were like, <laughs> "Oh fuck yeah, we gotta play like as fast as these guys, but like all as insane, and we're yeah. gonna like jump around naked and shit on the audience while we do it." <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know. And then on the flip side of that, I felt like these the dudes in Blind Idiot God were channeling their own influences from a band like Killing Joke because I think Killing mm. Joke has a very unique guitar tone as well. And I sure. think they're like, oh, we want something like that, but where it's where it sounds like it's uh it's just reverberating, but not in like a distorted, fuzzy way. Just like it's this right. sound reverberating inside like I don't know, like a metal cave or something like that. Uh, that's a great description. Yeah. 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 That's very much how that and like I said, I think part of it too like if the first few tracks and this is not to belabor the point because again i think i think it's incredible but it almost felt like they were writing the flow of them feels like it was almost like this was just one long suite that was yeah, composed yeah. and then sort of broken up into tracks and i really do wonder like what what the thought process was there because maybe again to give credit where credit is due in terms of the timing and just how forward thinking they were i think any sort of prog or technical metal band today that would try to pull something off like this would probably almost do like a, whatever that ends up being like a 15 20 minute suite you know and literally call it you know like, like parts one part two part three, whatever and think nothing of that i wonder if part of the process for them with those first few tracks was writing it as a singular piece of music but then maybe thinking oh well we got to break this up so that it looks more like a tradition i mean i have no idea that's it's just pure speculation but i don't yeah i'm not sure either and um i'm i guess we'll just remain willfully ignorant <laughs> on, the, on that one on that yeah. part of it so now um it does take a pretty drastic right turn because the dub angle comes in really hard at the very end of this and it's literally just like three dub tracks yeah and they're not it's so it's not quite as incorporated throughout the rest of the albums where they'll just like have a, a song where it is literally like heavy metal dub and mm -hmm. uh or something to that effect hard rock dub whatever you want to call it yeah and it's really cool i also never uh realized that that sort of i don't even know the the dub noise where it's kind of like sounds like it's like a shimmering guitar effect mm -hmm. i never realized that that was dub for the longest time i just thought that was like a cool guitar effect um because there's another band that reminds me a bit of blind idiot god which is ozer tentacles and they do mm -hmm. a lot of that this dub stuff and they're also an instrumental uh three-piece but a little bit more like out there in terms of the, the styles like there's a lot more kraut rock and psychedelia okay. and uh it's like heavy but not but it's more pot smoking music this is like not always pot smoking music <laughs> right <laughs> well and can i just say too i absolutely love that at least for the first two albums maybe three actually maybe all four of them whenever there's a dub track it's always just labeled dub. It's, you know, something, something <laughs> yeah. dub. And I just, I love that it's, for as technical as their music is, I love that the titles themselves on some of those tracks are literally just wise man dub, stealth dub, raining dub. Like, it's just, there's something that's like weirdly endearing to me about that, where they're like, these are our dub tracks, here we go. 
I just yeah. think it's awesome. I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I I like it too, and I've been listening to a lot more dub um, and it's style music. I've really come to appreciate and enjoy. Mm. I mean, I never knew that I liked it because uh, I, honestly, like a favorite album of mine is the first Gorillas album, and that's basically just a, a fucking dub album. Yeah, 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 and that's a killer album too. So yeah, when they um, let me, I, I need to look at the track listing again for the self-titled. I mean, yeah, I mean. Well, more time, I guess, is a cover, but dark and bright, wise man dub, stealth, raining, like all those. Like for me, I love this half of the album. Like it's just really, really rad, and I feel like it's the sort of thing where, in retrospect, as you get into their other albums, you can see just the foundation being later, and really across the board, across the whole thing, which just makes this debut that much more. Um, all that much more impressive, just how it's such a strong, uh, you know, first step. And then they just build on it in, in incredible ways in the ensuing, in the ensuing albums. Yeah. I, I would say like, this is, you know, with the three dub tracks at the end, it's more of like a, Hey, we can do this too. If you're into it rather than, mm-hmm. you know, them being like, all right, now we, we just got to like do this. Cause this is like fucking awesome. So like, I did have a question for you. Um, do you find instrumental music more freeing or like more challenging? Cause uh, I, I, I'm not sure. Like I would imagine you have to factor in interest to some degree, mm-hmm. but I assume also that could be more like, vague you know because like that could be more applicable to like a metal type band because then i think of like bands like earth and sun who rely heavily on static Mm -hmm. atmospheric sounds and it's still like amazing right no i love instrumental stuff you know i've been a big pelican fan for years uh had a chance to finally see them live uh, a couple years back at the um, benefit show in la for for caleb schofield they i mean their live stuff is incredible i haven't listened to them in a little bit but i love earth you mentioned them there's a a band actually it's a one-man project that i came across years ago from thanks to riley breckenridge from thrice recommending it he was a huge fan early on called cloud kicker and i forget the guy's name ben it's been something again it's it's a one-man project but goodness gracious just really really rad um, i think i saw them once they did a um they did a tour with oh shoot i'm gonna have to look it up he did a tour with another band and basically the other band was his house band essentially so oh, interesting intronaut that's who it was so okay. he did a oh, tour intronaut with, is awesome yeah, i didn't so see he, him i didn't see cloud kicker with intronaut but i'm Man, okay. I don't know who it was. I just know it was at uh, Irving Plaza, and uh, okay. yeah, yeah, because I I ran in, <laughs> yeah, because I ran into somebody who I was like, "Hey, man, how's so and so?" And they were like, "Oh, um, she's fine. We broke up." And I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> Never mind." <laughs> Next topic. Uh, yeah. So he did. Uh, his name's Ben Sharp. Is is a guy behind Cloud Cloud Kicker? And anyway. So it looks like, um, just looking quickly, it looks like Tesseract took him and Intronaut out. And if I remember correctly, Intronaut... Maybe that's what, yes, maybe that's what it was, because I do remember seeing Tesseract there. Okay. Yeah, and I think Intronaut was basically his backing band, because again, he when he records at home, it's just him doing all the, all the parts. So, sorry, that was a really long answer to a, a relatively simple <laughs> question. But yes, I love, I love instrumental music when when I'm in the right mood for it and certain, certain instrumental bands connect more with me than others. But uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot that I listen to. I, this was indeed correct. That was the show. It, just to oh, put it on there, awesome. it was actually pretty close to now. It was uh, April 30th, 2014. Jesus Christ. Such Whoa. A long time ago. <laughs> Dang. Personally, like uh, in terms of because most of your music is uh, instrumental, like for you, do you find it like a freeing thing or do you find it at times like, fuck, I can't I just can't make this like work or whatever. But you You have incorporated um, vocals on some of your tracks, again, in non-traditional ways. The stuff, the stuff in Goheleth. Mm hmm. I think there we just start, like I said, we start with a lot of textures and we, we, you know, mess around with layers um, and just see what comes out of it. 
I, I think it's not that vocals for us are, are an afterthought because they're not at all. Not that I'm a great vocalist. I actually think Mike is a, is a much better vocalist than I am. He just doesn't feel like, you know, singing or yelling that often. So mm-hmm. uh, it falls more to me. But yeah, I, th- I think for us, a lot of it is driven by what can we make first and foremost that's instrumentally compelling to our ears and then saying, okay, how can we integrate the vocals in a way that feels more organic? I don't know. I just, I always think of, not that, the, not that this is the motivation on every track with vocals that we do, but I remember seeing a quote years ago from Jeremy Enoch when he was with Sunny Day Real Estate and just how he approached his vocals in that band as just another instrument. And so for me, that's kind of how I think, I think for whatever reason, I internalize part of that. And it probably has to do with the fact that I'm not a traditional vocalist. I I don't think that I have a great voice, but there are plenty of tracks that we have done where I'm like, I feel like something needs to be said here. There's something that I need to get out. And so I think thinking through my vocals in that framework helps free me up from just getting you know, tripping over myself essentially. <laughs> right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I do. I do like, I mean, some of my favorite death metal bands are the ones where I'm like, I don't want this to sound, I want the guy's voice to sound like it's part of a guitar or something like that. As, <laughs> as Kit fucking, so it's wisely said, I don't want to know what he's saying. It's probably stupid anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I quote that so much. <laughs> It's like one of the smartest metal things I've ever heard in my life. So, yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to Undertow, which was like, I think the album where everything kind Mm -hmm. of comes together for them came out in 1988. And to to go from their debut to this in a year is fucking insane. This album is probably, I think this album is probably like a perfect album. It's a pretty perfect Mm. album, I think. And yeah. it's far superior to Tool's Undertow, I may add. <laughs> yes, indeed. Suck it, Tool. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> They're weeping into their thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Or whatever it is that they're worth. I, I did think it was funny that there's like two uh, like acclaimed, more like technical, progressive, whatever you want to call it, alternative metal albums called Undertow, released mm. with like within fairly like recent time of one another, you know, that is interesting. It makes you wonder what was kind of in the ether, the you know artistic, whatever that caused people to gravitate towards that. I don't know. It, it, it does make you think, I mean, uh, tools undertow wouldn't come out for 93 and I'm not suggesting like that they stole any kind of idea or, oh, thing sure. or anything. Yeah, yeah. And they, there's, it's on, I'm, I'm not accusing them of plagiarism. I just think it's kind of interesting. And like undertow I th- is, is their debut album. Wow, that's weird. I don't know. That was that was Tools debut? Yeah, Tools debut yeah. is Undertow and their and then hmm. uh and then were big as I was referring to them. Uh theirs is the second one and yeah. I don't know. I'm not like trying to suggest that there's any kind of like weird connection here or anything like sure, that. It's sure. just it's just interesting like how all this shit like kind of came out uh in and around that time. But uh Yeah. Yeah, I love this album and I love the way that it incorporates uh, the dub into mm-hmm. um, into the sound more uh, fluidly and more organically. And it's just, uh, it's an album that I can just put on and from the beginning and then just like let it go. Yeah. Um, this was reissued in 2017. That's the version that I've been listening to the most. Mm-hmm. And it actually features... I uh, I guess I'm assuming these are not in the original release, but it features two versions of Freak, the long version and then the movie version, which is shorter. And then and a song they did with John Zorn called Purge Specimen. And yeah. uh, that uh, that track kicks ass. That is. Oh, my gosh. Song. Yeah. Yeah. I if if I could dream up anything new for them to do, I, I would want to hear a full album of them collaborating with Zorn. I mean, that that track is just balls out awesome i mean it's just it's fantastic and yeah i'm with you on this one i mean from from start to finish it's a major step up from their debut and and i don't even know if step up's the right word but just the way that they integrated what they were doing feels much more um it feels more organic maybe and it just feels Mm -hmm. like 
a really confident move of like, these are our influences. These are our passions. This is what we like to do, what we want to do. And here's, here's what we've done with it. And yeah, it just, it flows really well. The dub stuff is integrated within some of the tracks, but then also the tracks themselves. Whereas, you know, the first album, all the dub stuff was placed at the end here. It's, you know, you've got dub tracks mixed in with more of the, you know, sort of, I guess, technical prog ish noisy stuff that they are doing. So it's, it's a really, really fantastic listening experience for sure. Uh, notably the artwork from the, the original album artwork is this pretty amazing bit of late eighties evolving into early nineties work and everything about it feels so rooted in that time, but like, mm -hmm. I totally dig it. And I like that they didn't go for, it's just like so weirdly abstract and like yeah. strange and like the colors contrast so intensely on it. Like it's drab and it pops at the same time. I also really like the reissue artwork. It's like a red skull made up of individual pieces of like pipes and tubes and scales yeah. with the devil sitting inside. It's way more metal, but it's like still pretty awesome. I like that they have like a different look to all of their releases. And cause you know, again, I love a theme, but sometimes, you know, especially when it's a theme that's done to death, it can just be like, oh, whatever. I like that their shit just is like fucking weird and abstract right. and strange. And that's definitely something that really appeals to me. I mean, you were asking about like our approach to music, like the visuals for us are, are, are crucial. And a lot of what Caden does is very uh, just abstract stuff. Like he doesn't even like numbering or uh, excuse me, he doesn't like naming his art pieces he just numbers them because he feels like even the naming of them mm -hmm. uh, imposes a certain meaning that he doesn't want them to have he wants them to be very open so yeah I, i'm i'm with you on the art for this as well and we didn't touch on it but even i don't know who did the album art for their first album but man it's like brilliant it's just like it's colorful and it's weird um slightly disturbing because it sort of looks like multiple mouths and eyes that are congealing into like this mass. Uh, but yeah, so I like the original art, like you were saying for undertow and the reissue. Um, and I was looking at it. You're probably, I'm sure you've seen this guy's art before, but for the reissue of undertow and then before ever after their fourth album, not to jump ahead, but uh, it's done by Selden hunt. Who's done a lot of stuff over the years for like when Hydrahead was around Southern Lord, I think I came across his stuff from um, from Isis, some like tour posters and stuff he did for them. But his stuff fits Blind Idiot God perfectly because it's so detailed and layered and complex visually that it just it it pairs perfectly with the with the music itself. Oh yeah, this guy's done a bunch of different like he isis yeah he did sun the melvins yeah he's done a whole bunch of yeah i've stuff, I've, so. i think i follow him on instagram maybe i don't know i've i followed him on a couple of platforms just over the years just because i his stuff is so compelling to me it's just like i said you you look at some of what he's done and it just looks impossibly complex in terms of not okay there's fractal art and I don't think that that's what he's doing, but that's the only term that comes to mind in terms of like just these repeating patterns that he then layers on top of other repeating. I like, I don't know how he does it, um, but it's, it's brilliant. Yeah. And even, um, even the stuff where it's not that, like I'm looking at this picture he drew and it's two people uh, kissing, but they're like decaying in, mm. at the same time. And it's just the, the amount of detail and you're just like, it's every single, like just dripping and ripping and dropping bit of meat is detailed. There's like muscle folds and you can see veins and tendons and everything. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, yeah, yeah. and, and you know, you, <laughs> and then like, you kind of look at like, oh, I guess they just did this in like a whole bunch of different colors. I, the one I see is the green one, but like, uh, yeah, like this I don't even know what to call this. Yeah, looks, are you talking about before, ever, and after? Yeah. Or before, ever, after? Yeah. It looks like many things while looking like nothing. And it's yeah. just, it's incredibly, uh, it, it's very cool and trippy. Like, yeah. 
I would, I would imagine if you were on drugs and you looked at this, you would probably have a pretty good time. Yeah. I mean, it's somehow, cause I, I'm, yeah, the, I think the CD is the green version of the art. And I think the, I think maybe the LP is like the red orange version. I mean, it just, it somehow looks organic and yet super technical and, it's kind of like Geiger, but but yeah. not, but not yeah. like you can see the influence, but it's certainly not. He's not just ape, uh, aping Geiger. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. There's just repeating patterns and elements that almost look like they trail away into, you know, infinity and into the background. I don't know. It's it's wild, man. So yeah, as soon as I saw that, I was like, this looks like. Selden Hunt, and then when I looked at the you know the credits and the liner notes, I was like, oh yeah, that's... and it, and like I said, it just it fits their music just perfectly, which I just I love that I love and appreciate that so much. Um, and then real quick, just to go to it too, yeah, I the the artwork for the debut, like you said, it's this strange. It kind of reminds me of the thing when it's like mm. that, that body they find in the in the shack, and it's like yeah. two people. Like it's sort of like that, but like uh, Technicolor. <laughs> yes, it's it's very weird and abstract and strange. It feels very. It, it's weird how I look at this. And I go, this feels very '90s, but we hadn't even gotten to the '90s yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I completely agree. I'm wondering. Let's see. It's like a bat. It's like an acid trip birthday party. <laughs> it says it's somebody named Miles Rutland, I guess, who did the art. I have no clue who that is. Never, never heard that name before in my life. Hopefully, they did something. Uh, that that person did continue to do killer music and killer art, because I guess killer art. But yeah. So that brings us to Cyclotron, which is the third album, and this mm. was difficult for me to track down to listen to because yeah. it it's not on streaming, and uh, there's a few tracks on YouTube. Um, which I, the ones that I listened to were uh, Head On, Dead Continent Dub, Easing Back, uh, mm -hmm. 747, and Cloud Cover. And I guess this album got some criticism that I read uh, because it, it relied on already explored territory. And I can see that. This felt very negative of early 90s alternative showing up in like a weird commercial or movie, which, mm. you know, they fucking would with Freaked. And I, I, I like this sound, so it was hard for me to be like, oh, this is terrible or some yeah. shit like that, because it's not. But I see why this, you know, I see why people who maybe enjoyed the esoteric aspect of them could feel like, okay, this might be getting like a little bit tired sure. uh, of them. Like, I still think it was like pretty cool, because you know what? I can't do this. So if <laughs> by the meter of that, like, <laughs> it's good by that. But yeah. they and then they they kind of saved themselves with that free title track though because that came out the year after this and mm. that song is amazing it's like a perfect song I listened to it so much yeah oh it's it's fantastic and that was the one thing listening to I think I probably listened to the same tracks you did because that's what I could find off of Cyclotron <clears throat> as soon as I heard Easing Back I felt like oh this feels like it's a it could be a sequel or a cousin to the Freaked track. There was just some vibe mm. about it where I was like, oh, this feels like they're playing in the same sort of headspace. But um, yeah, that Freaked track. Again, it's what I said earlier. For a band that never had another or hasn't had, I, don't, I guess they're still, are they still active? I don't know if, they, if they're still doing stuff. They are, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that uh, okay. with the next one. Well, yeah, so... To have never had a vocal uh, vocals on their music before, the the way that what they did gelled with Rollins on the Freak song is just fantastic, and it's just so uh, damn catchy. I mean, it moves, it's propulsive, it doesn't feel like it. You know, it lets you catch your breath once. Um, it just keeps hammering. It's I, I love it, man. It's it's fantastic. Um, so after this album, uh, Ted Epstein departed the band and they basically said that they didn't want to do it without the drummer. So they mm. just, they didn't like call it quits. I guess, well, I guess they did, you know, but they just yeah. were like, well, we're not going to do this if we don't have a drummer. They explored some other different projects. 
and according to Wikipedia, there are plans to reissue this album, which I would certainly like to hear a reissue of it. Cause, Cyclotron? Uh, yeah. That would be awesome. I, I would like <clears throat> to hear it all the way through. Yeah. Um, so that would be cool. Uh, and then they just based, entered uh, a period of inactivity for years. Eventually, in 2001, Tim Waskita, who previously played in Connate, spoiler alert, that's the next band for this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, he joined in 2001 and they started recording new material, but they started to get delayed because uh, Gabriel Katz was dealing with tendonitis and hearing loss and eventually he departed in 2012 and he was replaced uh with will doll um so andy hawkins remains the only original uh founding member um but i mean i i can't speak to like all of them but it sounds like it was just sort of like a yeah i think that we're just gonna like it sounds like at, at even if they like broke up it was sort of like well if you're just moving on to other things and we're just like respectfully gonna you know right so like it sounds like everyone's still pretty active in music actually yeah yeah um, which is cool. Some new tracks appeared in Alex Winter's documentary Downloaded, which is about Napster. And then eventually in 2015, uh, the album Before Ever After came out, which featured 13 years worth of recorded material, which is fucking crazy. <laughs> that is nuts. Yeah. And very similar <clears throat> to Undertone, this album, I think, hits the right amount of technicality that I enjoy these days. Mm -hmm. Um you know, I was really into a lot of techie prog metal for a while, and uh, I've kind of shied away from that. And it's just funny because sometimes I'll revisit that that music, and I just it does it just doesn't hit me the same way, which right. is weird because a band like Intronaut is very technically proficient, but I find their music pretty interesting. Yeah, and like cool to listen to. But yeah, I loved this album a a lot. I I thought it was really good. And, uh, you know, doesn't turn into note salad all the time, just once in a <laughs> while. I just feel like they're a band that they're like, yes, they're good, but I never feel like they're showing off. You know, there's, yeah. there's still like this idea of like, we want to play really good, but we want to make it sound really cool. So they can't be up there and just being like, oh, look what I can do. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like their their music and I, I don't know how to say this any other way, but like this it feels like for as technical as they are their music has soul and heart to it and i feel like for me that's a piece that sometimes is missing from other from more technical bands and that's not to knock the you know other technical bands i i you know i've heard some instrumental bands that would probably be considered sort of in the same vein as blind idiot god and again while i can appreciate the unbelievable skill and like you were saying earlier, there's no way on God's green earth I'd be able to pull any of this off. So it, there's <laughs> absolutely no judgment coming from me on that level. There's just something that where it just kind of leaves me cold, whereas their stuff feels it feels like they're able they the 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 humanity of who they are comes through along with just the sheer technical skill that they that they're able to wield with their instruments. It's it's a really cool balance, and I don't know how they do it. And even more impressive that they were able to bring in two people to do the sound and make it sound exactly the same, but you... I don't know. I, I, I can't... I mean, to me, it sounds the same, but I don't... Uh, I would love to see what it's like live, is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I do... I, I was, I was double-checking. I think Gabe Katz might have still been on this album, but maybe doll came in afterwards maybe i don't know but uh but timing wise but yeah certainly certainly andy hawkins influence obviously is strong throughout all of the albums yeah you Katz know, I, is definitely still involved in the in the in this one in, yeah he definitely okay. was okay yeah. yeah so but i mean man for a band like this and this is not to mitigate clearly or to try to add hierarchy to any of the instruments but for a band like this that's so reliant on the technicality of the drums mm -hmm. to lose their original drummer and to be able to find somebody that can fit that feel is i mean that's impressive because i you know that's that's not an easy thing to pull off by any means yeah i mean and and this does not sound like 
uh, Tim Mosquito's previous band, Kanye, at all. They're, yeah. they're very much night and day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I like this album too because they, but maybe because it's him, uh, and this is why they do showcase some further sounds because. Earth Mover. I was like, surprise, mm. doom metal. And then yeah. Voice of the Structure. Surprise, drone. Like, there definitely <laughs> was, like, that was a very, like, Sabbathy song, uh, Earth yeah. Mover. Like, it was, and it was fucking rad. Like, I was like, man, yeah. there are some doom bands that wish they could play as good as this. <laughs> like, they probably did that and were like, hey, let's do a Sabbath song. But they weren't like, oh, yeah, let's make a doom song or something like that. They probably right. just were like, oh, Black Sabbath's cool. Let's do a Sabbath type song. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love Earth Mover. It's definitely one of my favorite tracks on this album. It's it's killer. The good news is supposedly there is a new album coming at some point. I oh, imagine that it has probably been delayed because as far as I know, Tim Wiskita lives in Germany, I think, because he joined oh, okay. the, the band Insect Arc and Dana, who I interviewed very early on in Diary of Doom, got stuck in Europe at at the high, at, like at the beginning of the pandemic. And she had just uh, put out a new album. She had gotten uh, Andy Patterson on drums. He used to drum in the band Sub Rosa. And mm. uh, now he drums in the Autolith. And and then they're like, well, I guess uh, that kind of puts our plans on hold. And I, eventually she just wanted to get moving again. And then next thing I know, I see Tim Wiskita has joined. So uh, we'll see wow. what happens with that. Um, but Insect Dark is a great band, too. Hmm. bass and drums and very experimental very cool so yeah uh i strongly recommend checking out um at the uh at the very least the debut undertow and before uh what is it before before ever after <laughs> before i was like before even after no before yeah. ever after um i would definitely suggest to check out those three albums because they yeah. are all three of them are very very cool and it's like a really cool trilogy of albums to go through agreed 100 percent. and i just and i feel like it's the sort of stuff that just for me uh doing a deep dive into it even though you know i'd listened to each of these before man there's just something about it i guess the layering that they do but it just it grow. It, i felt i feel like it's grown on me even more i mean just with each passing listen i'm like man there's just so much to take in and to appreciate so yeah, there's there's a real richness here in these, you know, three four albums. I definitely want to try to track some of these, at least a couple of these on vinyl because I bet they sound mm. very cool. I don't even know what the status of that is. So, but um, yeah, highly recommend this band. Um, I would strongly encourage everybody to check them out. I think they they're one of those bands that I think just hits a really good sweet spot that a whole mess of different kinds of music listeners can enjoy. If you like smoking weed, it's it's it it does have some good weed smoking aspects, you know. If you <laughs> like metal, like this, if you're like someone who just likes to listen to any kind of metal, I think you kind of I think they're uh, uh you have to have them in your library of bands that you've listened to. Um, if you're into weird experimental shit, it, definitely for you. Um, if you, uh, I mean, I think that people who are, uh, I don't even I, I'm punk rock. Uh, you know, there's like the old punks probably like this because yeah. uh, undoubtedly that's just what they they do. Old punks just turn into like weird, uh, <laughs> like instrumental rock bands over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's also interesting too to look at, and, you know, this is a whole other conversation, but where they came from initially in St. Louis because yeah, we whole, didn't even get into that. There's a whole culture there of like weird and punk and noise art and and. Uh, you know, I'm not super familiar with them, but one of my good friends here in North Carolina is a huge fan of a band called uh, Drunks with Guns. And I think they were contemporaries. Yeah, I think they were contemporaries of the guys in Blind Idiot God. And and even um, uh, there's another band that came a couple of years after Blind Idiot God from St. Louis, uh, Dazzling Kil Kilman. And I don't know if they were directly influenced by uh, by Big, but knowing what i know of their music there certainly seems to be a little bit of crossover there in terms of just the noisier uh experimental stuff so yeah there's there's a real richness here you know a lot of cool stuff to explore for sure do you think anyone calls them big or is that just like something we're doing i i, I, don't, I know. don't know <laughs> <laughs> but the abbreviation is like right there so it's perfect yeah but so. um, yeah 
Well, I think uh, with that, now that we've said our piece on that, we'll just, uh, I think we're going to close out on a, a fun little bit that um, I've been uh, dropping on my guests for these shows. And I think you're familiar with the band Skillet, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do another round of Finding Jesus with Skillet. And oh, uh, for anybody that doesn't know, Skillet is a very corny Christian metal band. And I use the word metal very loosely here. Oof. Fronted by a real goober named John Cooper, who, man, says some of the wildest shit. <laughs> Dude. Goober is the perfect word for him. So as I guess before we listen to this song, and also I know I do not listen to any of these songs before. So this is all like fresh for me too. Oh dear. Um, you know, I started po- like posting about this on Instagram and, and then started doing this and you commented. So like, what is your take on this? Cause you have a little bit of history with this band. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, okay. So, Growing up, I, I basically had a, a fair exposure to a lot of like the contemporary Christian music scene. Like that was, you know, I grew up in, in a more conservative, like certainly surroundings in South Carolina and a, and a somewhat conservative home. Um, and so early on, this would have been one of those bands that would have been deemed safe mm-hmm. to listen to because they were sort of, you know, they were on Christian labels and but what's really weird about them, and I did go see them in concert once when I was in college, willingly, and then later I saw them a number of times because one of the jobs that I worked covered a lot of like Christian music festivals, and that was less willingly uh, I had to do it for my, for my job. What's so bizarre to me about these guys, and I guess if I can say one nice thing, it's like somehow they've managed to make a career out of this is that where they have ended up musically and I haven't listened to them in years. So, I mean, I'm saying this with what I'm basing this on is like the last time I heard them was probably 2009 or 10, maybe. So I have no idea what they sound like now. They're early, like their first album is like an alternative grunge album and they just constantly changed and morphed their sound to whatever was popular and so like they went from grunge to like sort of like christian alternative like worship music to like matrix techno rock i I mean so like monster energy festival metal yes yeah so it's it's just bizarre man i don't i don't get it to me not a whole lot of artistic integrity there one way or another it just feels like they've constantly been chasing you know what whatever's popular at the time and but they yeah. they they've made a, a career out of it so i mean like just i they look kind of wholesome on the i mean i know this isn't the best co- picture but like they look kind of wholesome on the cover for this, this album Invincible. this was the, yeah the, that was the era when i saw them when i was in college and then after that i was like my taste i mean i mainly went just because it was an opportunity to just goof off with some friends and this doesn't even look like the same band no well, and I think honestly, the only two people that are still in the band are, are the lead singer and his wife. Um, That's yeah, that is correct. Yeah, I think those guys, whoever those two guys were, they were. Yeah, so uh, dude, it's yeah. Well, maybe this one won't be so bad. <laughs> oh boy, you're like no, just leave it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've seen stuff because I'm on you know in a few different like music groups and stuff that that sometimes talk about they come up. Like he's gone like full blown like oh he's like like MAGA yeah like right wing Christian oh it's like yeah it's and it, it yeah it it really lends a very off putting factor to like all of the lyrics about like rising up and you yeah. know being a like uh not even like being a warrior and all these things it's very like. Yeah, you know, I don't know, and like, and and yet they play big ass festivals, man. Yeah, I, I mean, they I have a lot they, of albums. They have a ton of albums. Again, they've made a full blown career out of this, and but yeah, he definitely plays up the whole like the real persecuted people in America today are Christians. Like that seems to be like his big angle, which to me is just unbelievably so, laughable. Yeah, it's so stupid. So yeah. all right, well, let's see what this is like. No. <laughs> wow, maybe all the lyrics will be in German. <laughs>
I love these old YouTube videos. Yeah. I guess this is like a hardcore skillet fan from Germany. Oh boy. I mean, it's just full on cringe. I mean, he still wants to fuck God. <laughs> I like this synthesizer. Let's take it out and put it in a different song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So much repetition. Yeah. Well, and it has it has that thing that so many uh, so many songs and artists in the CCM world have, and that it's just like absolutely perfect, pristine production. So that you know, vocals are one hundred percent clear. You know exactly what's being said. Mm -hmm. so that you know that it's safe to listen to you know this guy likes Jesus yeah oh that's one of the jokes from that whole genre is like um, JPMs have you ever heard that it's a Jesus Jesus is per minute like <laughs> what's the JPM of this song how many Jesuses do you have worked into this song it's like IBUs for fucking Christian yeah. music yeah yeah well, and of course, it always reminds me of that classic South Park episode with the when Cartman forms the Christian band. Mm, I haven't seen that one. Oh, dude, it's a, it's a perfect satire for satirization of this genre, this whole world. <laughs> would make a great like uh if not even like with the vocals like ask them just isolate that little keyboard and put it in front of like a cartoon or something yeah i mean the the worst thing that or the 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 nicest thing and the worst thing i can say about the song is that it's, it's... <laughs> i did not like this video and or the song <laughs> youtube it's just it's just there like it's just a song that's there that takes up space and ugh. Yeah, this was not the worst one that we've uh, listened to so far. Actually, in terms of the like music, I thought it was actually pretty bearable because right. I kind of like that little synthesizer noise. Yeah. Literally in any other song, it would be good. But I imagine that if you sampled him, he would probably sue you. Probably so, yeah. He seems like that kind of scumbag. But like, man, this dude like needs a fucking lyricist because it's just... He comes up with like just a few lyrics and it's not even done in like a like an interesting way where the chorus repeats like I know metal right. lyrics and metal like you know the choruses and stuff. I know like it's all kind of very silly and sometimes it just doesn't even fucking rhyme, but right. it kind of makes sense within the realm that they exist. And he just it always it just screams of like I am trying so goddamn hard. Yeah, and it's weird because looking at the album cover for this, I'm like, they just look like kids. You know, they look like yeah. they're young people trying to do a good thing, and it's before like the agenda came in. It just so happens that the music they're making kind of sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this one wasn't, I don't think, was as um, laugh out loud, cringy, bad. Um, it was not very good, but it wasn't the worst. Um, it's just, it's just there. It's, it's yeah, sonic, it's sonic wallpaper. It's just, it's there. Ugh. That's a very good way to describe it. It's Sonic wallpaper. <laughs> and not even like Sonic the Hedgehog wallpaper. No, I wish. That would be much more. <laughs> that would at least be like, that would have more flavor to it, I think. Yeah. Um. So whatever. All right. We didn't find Jesus this time. I don't know <laughs> if we ever will. Jeremy, where do you want to let people know where they could find you and tell them where they, if they're interested in checking out Kohaleth, where they can do that? Yeah, for sure. You can find us basically on all the platforms uh, at Koheleth Noise, Instagram, Twitter, uh, and then on Bandcamp, just kohelethnoise.bandcamp.com. Our most recent album came out, uh, I think, September of last year, uh, Warmonger, and we released a companion EP with it as well, uh, Contaminator, and uh, those 
Contaminator is basically a free download that comes with it, um, or it's, you might have to add it on. Either way, it's free. And then um, Warmonger, we put out on uh, tape and did a deluxe uh, cereal box edition as, of that as well. So, um, yes, and I do own a copy. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, yeah, that I now use to house my uh, Godzilla DVDs from the uh, Criterion Collection because the fucking glue melted off of the book and got all over the DVDs. So no. I now just yeah, it was really bad. I like opened it up and I was like, "What the fuck?" I and I looked it up. I went on Reddit and and there were so many comments of just being like, "This happened." So everyone was not too happy about that. Oh wow. <laughs> And, well, uh, look, luckily, the discs seem to be working. Found out a little fix with some uh, nail polish remover to get the glue off. But yeah, not a not a uh, well thought out design. Like, yeah. you know, um, it's like a big book and the discs are kept in the back in like a thicker, whatever, like cardboard section, sure. like a thick paper section. And uh, it's a cool idea, but it was not like well executed. So it just kind of goes with the like, you know, yeah, you can like, again, with the cereal box, there was no glue or anything involved, <laughs> nothing that could break. It was just right. very interestingly designed. So I have one. It has my Godzilla DVDs nice and safe. Yeah, it's a really cool package, something really unique. And, uh, you know, as you know, because I'm like, uh, you know, as a as a fan of a band like Sleep, who does a lot of weird but cool merch, I always appreciate a band that can do and pull off uh, a cool bit of merch without it feeling like too extra, for lack of a better yeah. word. That's a big thing for us is we always just want what we're doing to be uh, an organic extension of the music and hopefully extend the experience of listening in different interesting ways. So. Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. That means a lot. And look, I'm I'm glad that Warmongeros, the cereal box, can house the the Godzilla DVDs <laughs> and keep them safe. That 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 actually thrills me to no end. So that that's that's nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, de definitely. So th well, thanks for coming and doing this uh, and coming back on. This was a really great chat. I'm really glad we got to talk about Blind Idiot God, which everyone should go talk about, and everyone should go check out Jeremy's stuff. And uh, I'm Dylan. And you can follow Diary of Doom on Facebook, Instagram. Uh, you can listen to it on Spotify and Apple, wherever else you get your podcasts from. If you want to send me an email, you could send me an email to diaryofdoom1968 at gmail.com. And uh, thank you to uh, the, the patrons out there. Thank you for uh, tuning in, all two of you, uh, at, the, at this t current juncture. Um, and we'll we'll see you next month with another uh, bonus chapter doing deep dives on music and shit. And also uh, keep your eyes peeled for uh, forthcoming episodes of Movies from Green Hell. Having a lot of fun with that uh, series right now, even though it is the most specific uh, <laughs> of subgenres. So I wish you well. Uh, it's great seeing you uh, virtually again. And uh, we'll definitely have to link up again and talk about something else in the future. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, man. This has been a blast. a shin splint damn it i was gonna save that for a joke but whatever <laughs>